0: I'm going to help you remove that voice in under 30 days guaranteed. Not only remove it, but transform it. So instead of the voice that sabotages you, there's one that propels you to much higher levels of performance and success. There's a link in the show notes. Click on it to find out more. All right, let's get started. Hello, everyone. Today, I have the pleasure of having Terry Levin here. She's a heart... Help me pronounce it. It's heart and entrepreneur, and (laughs) I can't say... Entrepreneur.
1: Yeah, you said it right.
0: (laughs) Brilliant. Uh, just before we start, I wanted to let you know that my uh, wife had told me, you know, the fastest way to a man's heart is through his chest.
1: I love it. <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: so in business, we spend so much time being focused on what we're thinking and don't connect with our heart as often as we should. And uh, so talk to me about why you went in this direction, because I think it's the best way to go.
1: Yeah, sure. Um, I had been CEO of a national healthcare company. And it really struck me that it was all about dollars. It was all about numbers. They didn't really care about the employees. They didn't care about the vendors. It was profit, profit, profit. And I did something unusual in that company. And I just spoke transparently to the 1,800 employees that I had. I literally spoke from the heart. I made connections. I was authentic. I was in integrity. Productivity went up over 70%. (laughs) And I said, that's the way to do business. And I decided that I would disrupt how people were doing business.
0: You know, what's really interesting is that, uh, hey, congratulations for doing that. And people can tell easily when you're just saying something. And when you truly believe something, it just comes through in a different way.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, it really does. And if you do business really centered on always being authentic, transparent, and in integrity? My favorite three words. Um, it really makes a huge difference
0: in my. So, business. say the three words again. I'm going to write those down.
1: Yeah, authenticity, mm-hmm. transparency, integrity.
0: Okay, I'll tell you my favorite three words. I'd love to hear them. So it's uh, being authentic to who you are, mm-hmm. uh, being relevant to the people you're serving. And having focus on what you're doing, Beautiful. which are different, but in the same kind of ballpark.
1: Yeah, we're definitely aligned. Definitely.
0: So one of the most powerful experiences I ever had was this. is Somebody said, uh, Umar, lift up your left arm and notice what it feels like, which I did. And it felt you know, like it would. Then he said, okay, now I want you to do something weird. I want you to ask your heart to lift up your left arm. Mm. And it just lifted up of his own accord. It was flowing. I felt like a ballerina because it was like no effort and it was just graceful. And that was a life changing moment for me. And that's why I wanted to talk to you because they write a million songs about the heart poems, Mm -hmm. not one about the liver, because the heart is more than just a pump. It's basically where we connect with ourselves and with the divine and with each other. And so how do you bring this kind of like crazy talk to business people and make it uh, (laughs) Relatable, understandable, and they see the power of it.
1: Now, I'm glad you asked that. I just had this conversation with a, a brand new client yesterday. And he said, well, you know, the CEOs I work with, they, they don't want to hear any of this stuff. And I'm like, you know what? It really is time for people to engage much more emotion and emotional intelligence. And when I find that people aren't ready to hear about heart and heart-centered, heart-centered leadership All I do is show them case studies and evidence, one company after another, one transition after another. And usually that helps them make the shift and decide that they're going to be a bit more open-minded.
0: Absolutely. I think uh, my best guess would be this, that if you went to them, you know, of course this stuff doesn't work, but uh, tell me about a particular time where you listen to your heart and everyone's got a story of when they did it and say, hey, imagine if that was For you every day and then sometimes this evidence from their own life and what's interesting is we discount that when it was happening to us we believed it and went holy crap this is amazing and then for some reason we talked ourselves out of it
1: Mm -hmm. yeah I, i get that and you know some people will say well i trust my gut and i'll say i don't know that your gut really is a brain you know i know there's conversation about that i really believe that if i trust my heart then I make the right decisions. I've been married for, my gosh, almost 43 years happily to an amazing man just by trusting my heart, and that's how I make my decisions.
0: So I come at this uh, similar to you but slightly differently, so I'm going to take you down a tangent, if I may. Yeah. Do you remember that old TV show, Star Trek? Of course. So at the beginning of the episode, something's happening, and Bones and McCoy and Kirk don't all agree what they need to do. Mm-hmm. but by the end of the episode, they all come in alignment. And the reason I share that with you is this. Do you remember what Spock was all about? What was his main thing?
1: I don't know that I have an answer for that.
0: It was logic. It was all about, you know, uh-huh. hey, oh, yeah. your head, all logic. Yeah, yeah. And then Bones was, you know, the doctor. He was all about heart right. and connecting and feeling. And then James T. Kirk was all about gut. You <laughs> know, if there's a client, I'm going to sleep with her, kind of thing. <laughs> and so I think the reason that show was so popular was that – To be a whole person, we need to connect our head, our heart, and our gut. So I'm a firm believer in gut. And if they all align, then you know you're on the right track. But if you got to trust one out of the three, I would go with you. Trust the heart, Mm. but don't discount the others either.
1: I love that you brought that up because just in making a decision I'm making right now, I went with my feelings, with my heart. And then I backed that up, literally, with logic. I'm like, well, here's the pros, here's the cons. And I brought it all together. And I, I noticed, it wasn't doing it as consciously as I might have, but I noticed that it comes from me first tapping into my heart and yes. then bringing everything else in. Yeah.
0: That's amazing. That's powerful. What's kind of interesting is that, you know, we talk about teams with heart, mm-hmm because oftentimes they're the ones that are just average people coming together and they come together in a way that brings courage to the equation. And there's a a level of certainty that comes with it is when you use logic, there's always the pros and the cons and the heart always kind of has a sense of this is the right thing to do. And I'm going to help you get the resources you need. If you just believe and go down this path with me.
1: Yeah. I, I find it really interesting that when I align with my heart Mm-hmm. It's like magic happens. Things start to show up, people, opportunities, experiences. Uh, just the other day, there was somebody who sent me an email message. I don't know the person, but the email message really touched my heart. And so yes. I reached back out to them. And we had a, a, the most amazing connection yesterday. And it's just because I stopped and I listened.
0: That is amazing. So I'll tell you my heart story. There. Um, Back in 2003, the most important person in the entire world, you guessed it, was me. (laughs) I was about to guess that. (laughs) And the only time it wasn't is, you know, I help people break through their uh, mental blocks to get to the other side. And when I was in session with someone, they were the most important person. The rest of the time, it was me. And I went for a training in New Zealand. And the first thing they did was they only fed us uh, a salad, a vegetarian salad for lunch. It was like eight weeks of training, so we wouldn't fall asleep in the afternoons. Uh. So my diet changed. I was in New Zealand, and they speak English, but they have a totally different culture. Yes. And then all day long, I was working with people, so I was concerned about other people, you know, 12 hours a day for eight weeks. And something magical happened. And what happened was, the best way I can describe it is if my heart was like a rosebud tightly clenched. Mm. It blossomed during that experience of making others more important than me, mm. and it just changed the quality of my work everywhere because I became more heart-focused as opposed to logic-focused and ego-focused.
1: I can relate to that. I really can. Um, Do you have a story like that? Yeah, I have a very similar story, and this is, gosh, it has to be like 30 years ago. I was very ego-focused, and, and yeah. I'm aware of it now. It wasn't then. And I was in Mount Snow, Vermont. And every single day I was cross-country skiing, which I just loved. And one day, all of a sudden, I was out there by myself and I got caught in a huge blizzard. I mean, it was crazy. It was like a whiteout and I couldn't see anything. Right. And I stopped myself from feeling fear and panic about myself and thinking, I remember seeing other people somewhere on this path. I wonder if they're okay. And it was so interesting to me because I turned and started going back in the other direction, forgetting about my own self, all focused on, I remember other people, are they okay? And eventually I actually found somebody else on the path who was terrified. And I thought, wow, when I turned that around, it turned around my whole way of being. And that was a big shift for me.
0: You know, isn't that amazing that we get these life-changing moments? And the thing that's really sad of the whole thing is I wonder how many other life-changing moments I had that I ignored. Like the lesson was there and I just missed it. And I just caught the ones I did that were uh, life-changing, amazing, made me a better person. And it's just like, hmm, I could have been awesomer so long ago.
1: (laughs) I don't think we are granted life-changing moments like all the time. And sometimes our eyes and ears and our heart aren't open for them. And hardly, yeah. sometimes people go through their whole life without that. So I just feel every one of those moments is a real blessing. And I'm grateful for them. And I do my best to try to seek more of them.
0: So here's, uh, I'm going to share a theory with you. Let me know kind of what you think. Okay. So you have somebody going down a life path that they've chosen. And it could have been, you know, good career, good family, but they're just not doing what they're supposed to be doing. And at some point they hit one of these roadblocks where it's like, you know, things are not working and they overcome it. And they keep on going down the same path. And then the messages get more and more intense. And sometimes these people end up getting sick and they get cancer. And when people get better from cancer, we call it remission and we don't use language accidentally. It's like remission. It's like they come to a point where they go, wait a minute, what I'm doing isn't the right thing. I should be doing this. And this, is, this doesn't mean they need to go save the whales. It just could be, I need to be a teacher or whatever. And the question to you is this, do you think that confronting death got them to reconsider their life and then they got better? Or uh, was it that they got better and they re-examined their life? What a so do you think the the new mission comes up before the healing or as a result of the healing?
1: I think it comes up um, before. I really do. And I have a personal story. Can I share that? Well, of course. Tell me. So um, in 1996, my mom passed away of emphysema and she was literally like my best friend on the planet. And seven days later, my girlfriend Marnie died of breast cancer at the age of 40. Wow. Up until that point in my life, I defined my entire life by work, 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 and I had worked myself sick. Literally, yes. sick. When all of this happened, I sat down and I love how you put remission. I really remissioned my entire life. I quit my JOB. I took my day planner, that was my Bible, literally. I threw yes. it in a garbage can. Hold on for a second. Uh-
0: Please continue.
1: And I literally in that moment changed everything in my life. I changed my focus on my health, my eating, my sleeping. I started meditation. I learned how to breathe. I could go on and on. So I honestly believe that the remission comes first, whether conscious or unconscious. Does that make sense, Omar?
0: Absolutely. I think what's interesting is that it is – a so sad that we have to confront something so awful like that to kind of get a wake up call. And you listen to it. And so I used to have this radio show uh, a long time ago called Life Changing Breakthroughs. Mm. And one of my friends, uh, we were having coffee. I said, Hey, hey, Jim, have you ever had a life changing breakthrough? And he said, Oh yeah, I was uh, getting ready to go on stage in Singapore to do a keynote speech. And I had a heart attack and I died and literally took them two minutes to revive me and bring me back. And then I realized that the path that I'm on is the wrong path that I should be going down this other path. And I said, Oh, well, that's pretty amazing. By any chance, were there any signs before you fricking died? <laughs> and he said, You know what? They were billboards with flashing lights, and I just did not see them. But when I looked back, it was like, oh, my God, there were so many signs that I did not see. that Mm -hmm. If I had seen those, I would not have gotten to this stage. So for everyone listening, there are some people listening going, oh, my God, that's amazing. And there's other people listening going, these guys are nuts. (laughs) And I want you to just go, we might be nuts, but just kind of think back to, you know, have there been signs in your life that uh, just would have allowed you to change things and it's never too late to change. And it doesn't mean being a lawyer is bad or being uh, obsessed about your work, whatever you're doing is bad. It's like, oh, I'm here to do this. Can you bring some of that into your life? You don't have to destroy everything, but you can like refocus it and just get more happiness and joy once you're doing what you're meant to be doing, what happens is something really bizarre. You wake up every morning going, oh, I can't wait to do this. And you can have a totally crap day that's filled with disaster. You come home and tell your loved one, oh, it was an awesome day. It's so true. You're exhausted. You come home with energy.
1: Yeah. I just returned. I-, I live in Mexico part of the year, so I just returned from spending a couple of weeks at my place in Mexico. And the day I came home, I was so excited. I mean, I love being away. And yet I couldn't wait to get to my office. I couldn't wait to catch up with my clients. I couldn't wait to see what videos and homework they uploaded. And my husband was like, it is amazing to watch you for all these years doing what you love and loving what you do. And that's a blessing.
0: That is a blessing. And it's so close to everyone's grasp to go get it. So if I was emperor for a day, like right now, the US doesn't know who's in charge. I think I should take over just for a day. And, and this is you're right. I, no, I gotcha. So there'd be three things that I would actually force every American to do. Number one is uncover who you truly deeply are. Mm. Most people don't know who they are. And if you don't know who you are, you're lost. Number two, figure out your purpose in life. Because if you know who you are and where you're going, you can find a goal that's worthy of you that aligns with who you are. And every ounce of your passion will help you achieve it. And number three, this is like from left field, every American should travel overseas because when you go overseas, this is what you realize, that everybody in the world is just like us. I agree. They want the same things. They want uh, a better life for their kids. They want safety and they want justice in the place that they live.
1: I am so glad that I have gotten to travel and speak all around the world in all kinds of countries of all different sizes and cultures and human beings are human beings. DNA is DNA. It doesn't change based on where you live, your size, your shape, your color, your ethnicity, none of that.
0: And you know, the other thing that just still blows my mind anytime I see this is that you go back to ancient writings and they're dealing with the same exact stuff. We got better toys Yeah. So there's this book from Marcus Aurelius. I don't remember what it's called. There was a there was this woman that had written the history of self help, and so the host was asking her, you know, so you know, tell me about you know the earliest self help books. And the one from Marcus Aurelius went something like this: you know, you fret about your friends where they don't treat you that well. Just consider at least you're not dead. And then you go to another chapter about you know in work things are going bad and they're not going the way you want, but at least you're not dead. And that I was his book, that. and which is true.
1: I, I have to say, I totally love that. It is true, and you know I always tell people like. Personal development is not new. Self-help is not new. Transformation is not new. We're all spinning things a bit differently. Yes. However, it's been around as long as human beings have had a brain and a heart.
0: (laughs) So when I was in uh, high school, we all have a favorite teacher. Mm. Mr. Higgins was our English teacher. And one day he read something out loud. He said this was a letter written from one guy to his buddy, and the letter basically went, Oh my God, we're going to hell. The next generation, they are lazy, not interested in the right things. Uh, uh, I'm not sure where we're going to end up. And he said, Could you date that? And said, Okay, uh, 1950s, uh, 1920s. And it was like 1 BC. It was like <laughs> translated. It was like, Hey, this stuff has been going on. Because I could see my dad writing it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and you course- say that because just yesterday, just last evening, I was reflecting on, you know, the whole political climate and all the division. And I thought, oh, this is all new. And then all of a sudden I was like, wait a minute, um, Vietnam, Kent State. I mean, I could give you a million examples. I'm like, this yep. is not new. And it, it for me, it actually helped with things in perspective. And I didn't feel as, quote, debilitated as I had felt by hearing all of the rhetoric.
0: So here's something that uh, is kind of interesting. So for us, we have these moments where the universe brings up stuff to help us confront what's going on and get a new direction. Yep. And here's my personal theory on why we're at this moment in time, is that we went from hunters and gatherers to farming And I'm sure there was lots of hunters and gatherers like, are you guys freaking nuts? Why would we do this? This is insanity. And it took a while for that transformation to happen. It didn't happen overnight. And there was a lot of stress in the system. Then we went from agriculture to industrial. That took a while. Then we went from industrial to technology. And now we're going to the information age. I think we're just at the cusp of the information age Mm -hmm. that we're not quite there. And that's why in this moment in time around the world, People are turning to strong men with radical ideas like, you know, Cambodia is for Cambodians or whatever right, is right. happening in the Philippines and India because we're at this space. Like, are my kids going to have a job? What's happening here? I think it's a 20-year, 30-year window. But once we get to the other side of it, something amazing stuff's going to happen. But just living through it is why we've got our climate in the US. And this division is because there's fear underneath.
1: I agree. I think there's lots of fear, uncertainty, all of these things that are driving. I have to remind my clients every single day, you get to consciously make choices about what you choose to think, feel, and experience. Go on a news diet, go on a social media diet, focus on what's important in your life because you're not going to be able to change all of the things out there. You can only change how you respond and how you choose consciously to feel.
0: So Terry, I'm going to actually zing it back to you in a second. The way to transcend this is to check in with your heart. Fuck yeah. Because your head's going to say, those people are wrong. They're terrible. And your heart's going to say, yeah, (laughs) you're just like them or see the love in them.
1: Yeah, for me, it's... And I had this like discussion with someone on Facebook the other day. He was just like taking a side, let me put it that way. And I said... You know, I just feel love for everybody. Everybody's in their own pain, in their own hurt, and everybody's in this mood of like lashing out and frustration. And, you know, certainly COVID and lockdown hasn't helped people mentally. So instead of expressing and spewing hate and anger, what if you just shared back a feeling of love? And he just couldn't resonate with that. And that's okay. I'm not going to push someone to that. That's what I've been doing. There's a lot of friends and family that hold a different position than I hold. I embrace them for it. That's what makes humanity. I send them love. I honor them. We didn't grow up the same. Our beliefs are different. You choose yours. I choose mine. That's how the world works. I just send love.
0: And if you want to get, uh, dear listener, more motivation, more heartfelt kind of thoughts and ideas and techniques. There's a certain Facebook group that I know that you can go get that. Uh, Any ideas where that would be, Terry?
1: I don't know. I happen to have this on my mind. I have a community of about, I guess, 5,300 like-minded people. It's called Heartrepreneurs with Terry Levine. It's a Facebook group. And it is very different, very unusual. You will probably find no other Facebook group like this. There's live trainings, webinars, master classes, tools, documents, and people who really want to connect heart to heart with each other. So it's Brilliant. Heart to with Terry Levine.
0: So Terry, I believe we had a heart to heart conversation. Thank you so much for joining me today.
1: It was a pleasure, Omar. Thanks for having me.